guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. And guys, breaking news, I've decided that Thursdays are the posting day for Thick and Thin officially. It's been like a year and a half of making this podcast and I still have not nailed down a posting day. And a lot of it had to do with just being at my previous corporate job where I didn't have as much time to really premeditate episodes. It was just kind of like whenever I could record, I would record. But now I've had more structure you know, on my own terms so I can fully plan episodes and feel confident with them, you know, on a certain day that I want to post them. So basically Thursdays are now our day. I thought it could be cool, like thick and thin Thursdays. It just like sounds cool. And also it gives me like the first four days of the week to figure my shit out basically and put out an episode. So yes, breaking news, Thursdays are now our day. Um, Definitely just, you know, always look forward to an episode on Thursdays. I'm even thinking, guys, you know come about like March or April I might even start having guests on the podcast maybe like twice a month I still want this to be mostly a diary sort of journal entry type podcast but I thought it could be cool to have some you know opinion makers in the area you know I live in New York there's so many people here even just like friends that I have online that can like phone in almost Um, I just did a podcast I talked about it last week with my friend Sienna and it was so easy to record it online and just have us both be sitting in completely different places recording an episode together so I'm going to explore that possibility as well um, in the coming months and now that I have an assistant on my team which is so exciting I'm so excited to introduce you guys to her her name is Kimberly she started a couple of days ago and now we are working together she's actually still at her previous job working through her last two weeks Um, and so eventually we'll actually be together during the day so we're gonna work together she'll come to my apartment we'll get some stuff done Um, I'm really excited to kind of just delegate work to be honest because I have a really big problem with thinking I can do everything and anything which is great you know that I, I feel like I can do a lot of things but it gets to be a lot and it gets to the point where I you know things drop off things fall off and I can't accomplish everything that I want to accomplish and so having someone there to just kind of help me and you know keep me in check remind me to do things is really nice already I can tell you that and I'm also thinking of bringing on some creative interns this summer um, to just help me with some creative stuff so if you guys are interested in that if that likes you know tickles your fancy sparks your interest of uh, being my intern this summer let me know you have to be New York based unfortunately um, I'm pretty sure actually you know I don't want to limit it to that so okay I'll get back to you on that but <laughs> it'd be nice if you're New York based and it wouldn't be a crazy time commitment it would just be you can get school credit too I, I was thinking that'd be cool and basically what I would want or what I'd really be hopeful to have is just some you know a couple people to just help me with creative ideas and just infusing new stuff into all of my things that I do so like my design work but then also my YouTube channel and you know the podcast Instagram whatever you know because I'm one person and I can't have all the creative ideas in the world and that's something I'm slowly learning so yeah those are some updates um again I talked about this last week I have the temporary tattoos still up for sale they're on sale for about two more 
weeks, which is, is not as long as I thought. So definitely jump on it while you can. There's a link in my Instagram bio and also in the show notes of this episode. I'll have it there too. So check out the tattoos. They're selling fast, but I want everyone to have a chance to get their hands on them. Um, so yeah, those are all my updates, I think, in the beginning. And I feel like such a broken record, and I say this every episode, but I truly think this episode is going to be very good. I don't even know what I'm going to title it yet. Sometimes I know the title before I start and I like have it in the back of my mind. For this one, I have absolutely no idea, but I've seen a few things in the past week that really just somehow two pretty different sort of things have become so intertangled and woven together where they make sense together. So that's what today's episode is going to be. It's going to be an Instagram. It's well kind of derived from an Instagram caption that I saw from one of the founders of Refinery29 and then also the story of um, this Hollywood starlet, Hedy Lamar, um, that a follower of mine actually, she put her name in my DMs and was like, you have to watch this documentary. I thought of you when I saw it and I was just, guys, I watched it last night and I don't know what it is about just nighttime, but I'm always kind of just in my feels. That's when I journal most. That's when I'm just like emotional most. And I actually cried when I was watching the documentary because it was just so hard hitting. I really felt for her, um, for Hedy Lamar. I'm going to get into her, her full story basically in a nutshell. She was considered the most beautiful woman in Hollywood. And she also had all of these hidden talents in inventing, in science, and no one wanted to hear about it. No one wanted to hear anything you know, basically anything out of her mouth that wasn't a script or that wasn't, you know, something beautiful and ditzy and very, you know, paying homage to Marilyn Monroe and many other Hollywood starlets back in the day who really did not have a voice. And so I'm going to talk about her today. There's a lot more to her story um, than just that, but I'm also going to first start out by talking about um, this caption from uh, one of the founders of Refinery29. And I, I love following people like CEOs and people that invent things and create things. It's super inspiring um, and their content just seems to be better than, you know, normal influencer content, which is kind of just like stabbing myself in the back in a way because that's what I create. But I really love just following tastemakers, creators. And so I highly recommend if you guys are the same way, you should follow Piera Luisa Gilardi. I I think that's how you say her name. Um, It's a very exotic name. I love it so much. Um, Her username on Instagram is Piera Luisa. And she, like I said, she was one of the founders of Refinery29. She really grew it from the bottom up. And it's crazy. You know, all of her captions really dive into uh, not not only just Refinery29. She, she dives into other things. But this one was just so, like, it really shook me. I read it when I was on the subway. And I was like, okay, this needs to be a whole episode. I think I, like, even posted on my Instagram story while I was on the subway. Like, one, you know, I, I don't like touching things on the subway. So I'm, like, trying to balance posting this on my story and, like, definitely didn't do a great job of it, but I just needed to get it out there. Anyway, so you guys are like, what are you talking about? So I'm going to get into the caption. Um, and then I'm going to back up and talk about just kind of some personal experiences with said caption and the overarching idea surrounding it is you are so much more capable than you think even when you don't know okay and I just want to limit it at that don't know blank don't know you know you can substitute whatever that means to you but even if you don't know the answers even if you don't know really what you're doing 
you are really capable and if if anything i think you're more capable than people that do have all the answers because or not even capable that's not the word fully it's like you have more opportunity to create something just mind-bogglingly crazy and out there and new and different it's it's really something that you should be proud of honestly not having all the answers because that means that you're still molding things you're still coming up with who you are and what you want to make so that's kind of the overarching idea so i'm gonna read the caption now it says psa saying i don't know does not mean you're any less intelligent or capable a story as we were growing refinery 29 one of the most painful periods for me was during a time when i was afraid to admit what i didn't know I found myself often around conference tables with new people who had much more corporate experience than I did, who were speaking in a language that I didn't understand. That of jargon, industry terminology, and acronyms, my personal kryptonite. I thought the fact that I didn't understand these terms was an indication that I did not belong, lacked the right experience, that I didn't have what it took. I was sure I would look stupid if I said I didn't know. I started approaching the meetings with courage to be curious, asking questions when I didn't understand, observing things plainly, requesting definitions for words and acronyms I didn't know. Google is a friend here too, of course. I was terrified that the jig would be up, that everyone would see me as an unqualified and unworthy ignorant, but instead something else happened. People started leaning in to hear the answer to the question I'd asked. They'd come up to me after the meeting and say, hey, thanks for asking that question. I had no idea what they were talking about. Instead of being shunned, I actually grew my power, my understanding, and I provided a service to those around me who were too afraid to ask. A desire for control or the fear of judgment can keep us from accepting, not knowing. But it's critical to embrace the unknown in order to be in a state of openness for knowledge and answers to come. When you admit that you don't know, you ask questions, you're receptive to other people's wisdom, you can fully embrace curiosity, you can seek out information. Saying I don't know is an act of self-acceptance, and the unknown is a beautiful state of being because it's the foundation for growth. Just wow, that caption hit so hard because it just reminds me of how it was for me when I first came to the city and I first got my job at L'Oreal. It really hit so hard. Some captions I find myself skimming and I don't read every single word, but that one I fully just absorbed every word. I let it marinate. I thought about it for the next few hours. Like I was at a meeting and I was thinking about it still because I feel like I'm, I'm constantly in a state of not knowing things. Like even when I finally do know some things, like when I was leaving L'Oreal and I felt like I did know a lot more than I'd known when I first got there. I knew the acronyms. I knew the way people talked. I knew the way people argued. I was so knowledgeable towards the end. I granted could become more knowledgeable if I'd stayed longer than a year and six months, but you know, I still felt like I had so many questions and I still now in my new phase of freelancing have so many questions and I am asking a lot of questions and I even remember in school asking a lot of questions and feeling so stupid. I would be the girl that would lean to the person next to me and be like, what does that mean? You know, in, in hopes that I wouldn't have to ask the teacher and embarrass myself in front of everyone. And I'm sure a lot of us can relate to this of, especially when it's kind of expected of you to know answers, like, you know, in, in her shoes of founding Refinery29 and, you know, really coming out there with something that was revolutionary and still being someone that sitting in a room not really knowing the answers that you should know or you know you think you should know it's it's tough because you have this mental image of who you're supposed to be you know and who who you want to be okay and when I was first 
making the trek to New York and, you know, coming from from college where you didn't really need to know a lot because, you know, you kind of just like sat in the back of the class and just mindlessly passed through, at least at my school or in the communications degree, it was a lot of projects and it wasn't as much like you need to know a lot of terms and stuff for me, at least. I, I honestly, like I did not take education seriously. I really want to go back to school eventually and take a course where I can really take it seriously because I, to be honest, was at college for the social stuff. I was at college to make connections, which honestly paid off so well. Like a couple of my freelance clients now are girls that I went to school with, that I partied with, and now I'm working for them and creating great stuff for them and getting paid because of it. So it wasn't all a wash, but granted, I, you know, there's a lot of things going into my first job at L'Oreal that I feel like I just, I should have known and I didn't know. And I felt, you know, kind of stupid sitting in some meetings, not knowing acronyms, like she said, not knowing things. And I had this mental image when I came to New York that I wanted to be this badass working woman that had this awesome cosmetics job. You know, when I got the job at L'Oreal, I saw myself as being, you know, all, I, all the movies I've ever seen of like the, the girl, the corporate girl walking through the city with her coffee, you know, running to, to work, you know, walking in in her bomb outfit, having meetings where she's saying all the right things and really, you know, I wanted to be that person <laughs> and it didn't come as quickly as I wanted it to. And this just reminds me of so many conversations I had towards the beginning of my career at L'Oreal. Um, <laughs> it's like, I, I just remember so vividly certain things that I said. And now I'm thinking like, wow, I really didn't belong there <laughs> because I remember, you know, my first boss was incredible. She, I, I was very short lived. She was only there for a few months while I was there because she eventually, you know, went to follow her calling and moved to Australia and is now working there and thriving. And I wish I had more time with her because she really made a name for herself in the industry. And it was very cool working under her for a couple of months. But I remember having a conversation with her towards the beginning of, you know, when she was, we were doing the onboarding process, which at L'Oreal, it's, it's basically a series of meeting a ton of people and trying to remember their names because you're meeting all these people in all the different divisions, especially at a big a huge company it's like there's so many people that do so many different things and you know even being on the social team like which seems like a pretty small piece it's still very important to know people from other teams it's important to know the marketing team that makes you know that that markets the products it's important to know the people that create the products in the hub it's important to know the people that do the emails that do the seo that do the website like i needed to know so many people and in all of these meetings of course, you know, I'm good at talking and I'm good at interviews. I'm good at making myself seem smarter than I am, to be honest. I've like learned that trait somehow down the line of just being well-spoken, I guess. But, you know, in these in these meetings, I was always like, because they always ask like, oh, so like, what are you hoping to accomplish here? Like, what are you hoping to, to gain? Whatever. And I kept saying, you know, I, I really hope to learn and I just thought that was like a good thing to say, you know, and, and of course I had other things that I said, but I, I remember saying in one meeting, particularly with someone a little bit higher up or a lot of bit higher up than me, but like, a, you know, pretty high up person. And we left the meeting um, with the, the higher up person and my boss goes, Katie, just some words of advice for you. And I'm like, oh shit, what did I do? <laughs> She's like, just, you know, some words of advice. Maybe don't tell people here that you're hoping to learn. And I know she didn't mean it to be mean and I didn't take it as being mean. I really appreciated that feedback in the moment because I was like, oh shoot, like I am so making myself seem really young and naive and, you know, starry eyed and not really putting my nose to the grindstone. And because I feel like the goal at L'Oreal 
or at any very big company and even probably some small companies. I'm not too familiar with those, but people are just really trying to walk into a meeting, say all the right things, drop mic, you know, really grow in the company in terms of getting a promotion and really being known as that. You know, people aren't wanting to be known as like, oh, she's just the nice one. She or she's she's really like easy go like people people want to be, you know, the hard boss bitch type, you know, at a lot of companies in New York especially. So, yeah, I very quickly stopped saying that I wanted to learn and I started saying things like I really want to further the brand. I really want to offer my my I don't know. I, I'm like pulling things out of my ass right now, but like I really want to offer my creative expertise, you know, just using bigger words and saying things that weren't, I want to learn. And looking back, I'm like, well, shit, you know, what if I did want to learn? <laughs> like, is it so bad to say that? Is it so bad to admit that you don't know things? And now sitting here, of, of course, you know, without that job and doing my own thing where I am quite literally teaching myself and learning things every day, learning from just doing that's how I'm kind of doing it these days it's like I'm learning from working with clients and them telling me that things suck that's how I'm learning and learning how to put myself in another person's frame of mind and in another brand's frame of mind multiple different brands like multiple brands a week different minds and and that's that's how I'm learning now and I look back and I'm like, you know, it was good that she told me that because it definitely did help me when I was there. You know, I didn't admit my weakness ever. And I wish that I had kind of, you know what, because like, what were they going to do? Fire me if I said I don't know the answer to this, but like I'm willing to try? Definitely not. And maybe it would have gotten me further faster because I would have learned a lot faster. What I would do is I'd sit in meetings and if I didn't know what was said, there's always these big words thrown out, very corporate words and you know, words having to do with the numbers and with the, the growth and the, the red and the green and all the, the you know, the science, not scientific, what's the word? It's like the, uh, the market terminology. I wouldn't know what they meant. And so I had this one notebook where there was like a secret page in the notebook. Like I'd have like, you know, my normal notes. And then I'd had this one page where it was like the words I didn't know. And I would write them all down so I could look them up at my desk later or at home sometimes if I was that nervous that people would be looking at my computer screen and being like, why is she looking up this very simple word? When if I had just maybe asked in the meeting, it would have made things a lot easier for me. And also I would have maybe been pressured to learn it faster because I feel like when there's like pressure on you or when you feel embarrassed, for asking a question I remember it more so than if I looked it up on my own terms and on my own merit you know I feel like I remember in school when I'd you know ask a, when I would actually like bite the bullet and ask a question to the professor or the teacher in high school and I felt all the eyes on me and everyone was looking at me and they were like oh she doesn't know the answer or you know honestly now that I'm reading this caption maybe they were thankful that I asked because no one else did you know I, I would really retain whatever the answer was because I felt so nervous for asking it in the first place that I really retained the answer and it really helped me in the long run asking the question. So I guess kind of the moral of this little like narrative here is, you know, you have this idea of who you think you're going to be and who you're going to be in a given job, in a given situation. And you got to know that it's not going to get there overnight. You're not going to be this super confident person with all the answers. And the truth of the matter is no one is like half the people I remember encountering at L'Oreal, like, you know, were super senior. And I was like, I wish that I could see you when you weren't super senior. I wish I could see you in your worst mistake, you know, and really humanize you because some people 
in the corporate world talk like they aren't even talking. Like they, they, they're saying things that are almost like they're reading off of this script in their mind of things that sound smart, things that sound like, but like people have eliminated simple speech and so no one just no one knows what people are talking about half the time. It's just all these phrases that they think they have to say to sound smart. And in doing so, you lose just like, you know, like what what was the best thing? The best meetings at L'Oreal were when, we, when I got very comfortable with certain members of the team. We would just sit in a room for like a couple hours and bounce ideas, really just dig and brainstorm. And nothing was stupid. Nothing was a bad idea. And you could say it in the most simple, you know, littering curse words being like, oh, I don't know that thing that does the thing. Like, you know, words that aren't super polished would would create the best ideas. And towards the end of my time at L'Oreal, I started to kind of, because I knew I was quitting, I, I started to like not really care as much in the sense that I didn't care if I spoke up in a meeting and I was like, can you explain this? And I wish that I had done that sooner. And I didn't. And honestly, it's... I, I kind of wrestle with that moment of my boss telling me not to say that I want to learn things out loud because... Like, I feel like, yes, it kind of does admit weakness, but isn't that kind of a good thing that, you know, not just saying I want to learn, not limiting it at that, but saying I want to learn and I, I intend on doing it quickly because I intend on asking questions and I intend on... Because the thing is, guys, when you're when you're working at a company and you're so siloed, you're so tunnel visioned into what you're doing every single day you forget to think like a consumer. You forget to think like the people that you're actually making the products for. Like, you know, me being new to the company, if I didn't know what something meant in terms of how a product works and what a product is supposed to do and like how to use a product, if I didn't know being a newbie, the consumer sure as hell is not going to know. Of course, if you're making a product, like for example, like a foundation and like, you know, the consumer is not going to know for most for the most part unless they're like a makeup artist or a super youtube addict they're not going to know exactly how to apply it you have to really spell it out for them and so like me sitting in a meeting not really knowing i needed it spelled out for me and i feel like that would have been a given you know to some like there were so many products that i saw the fruition you know of it being created and of it being put out on the market And there were so many problems with the way that it was marketed. You know, we had to constantly go back and change the titling for the the product and change the descriptions on the the websites because people, you know, were giving reviews and saying they don't know how to use it. They don't know what to do. And I'm like, you know, I could have told you that. I was confused about it, but I didn't speak up. And so it, it would have saved us so much time and so many negative reviews if people like me would have just spoken up at the beginning and said, I don't know. This is confusing. So taking a quick little break to introduce today's episode sponsor. Today's episode of Thick and Thin is sponsored by HelloFresh, which is America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh makes cooking at home fun, easy, and affordable. I just got my box two days ago, and I'm so excited to make some meals today. I'm going to make some lunch for myself um, with one of their meals. I love the butternut squash risotto recipe that they sent over, and they basically, with HelloFresh, as you guys might know, they send all the ingredients right to your door, fresh and ready ready to go for you to start cooking. You can get mouth-watering seasonal recipes and all the pre-measured ingredients you need delivered right to your front door so it just makes everything super easy and convenient. Also, it introduces me to recipes I never even thought to make. Like I didn't even think to make like a butternut squash risotto. So they sent me all the ingredients and I'm very excited to make it for lunch today. There's something for everyone including low-calorie, vegetarian, family-friendly recipes and it cuts out the stressful meal planning and prepping phase of things. So you can just enjoy cooking and get dinner on the 
table in about 30 minutes or even 20 minutes for some of the recipes with the quick recipe options. That means less prep, means less food waste overall because you're making exactly what you need, the portion you need, um, and their carbon footprint is actually 25% lower than store-bought grocery-made meals, which is super important to me. The idea of food waste is just so sad, so I think it's important to choose things like HelloFresh that make it easier to keep a lower carbon footprint for yourself. And so you can also add extra meals and lunches to your weekly order or throw in yummy sides and desserts like garlic bread and cookie dough, or you can change your delivery days just to you know be around your preferences. Also super exciting, HelloFresh is now from $5.66 per serving, which is super affordable. So you're not breaking the bank and you're just making your life easier with HelloFresh. And of course, I have a special deal for us. For 10 free meals, basically all you have to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash HelloKaty10. That's Hello, K-A-T-Y 10, and use my code HelloKaty10 during HelloFresh's New Year's sale for 10 free meals, including free shipping. So exciting. So use my code HelloKaty10, just HelloFresh.com slash HelloKaty10. You guys can get started with HelloFresh, and I hope you enjoy your experience with HelloFresh as much as I do. And thank you to HelloFresh for sponsoring another episode. So guys, I guess the moral of the story here so far in this episode is you are so, so capable even when you don't have the answers, even when you don't know, even when you're sitting there and you're like, this is so over my head, you know, because people in the corporate world, people in, I mean, I'm assuming most of you guys are, are in post-grad or even if you're nearing the end of post-grad, I feel like you know, college people, again, kind of pull things out of their asses. They're saying all these things that just don't even make sense. It's like words have lost their meaning. It's okay if you say things, if you express yourself more simply, and if you ask questions that sound stupid, because like I said, people are going to continue to use phrases and things. You know, after I I left L'Oreal, I realized that some people were just using phrases completely incorrectly, and they meant nothing when they were saying it, but it just sounded like they meant business, you know? And so don't be ashamed for not knowing and for, you know, there's that quote, it's like, uh, I think it's Maya Angelou, it's like, don't forgive yourself for not knowing what you did when you didn't know it. (laughs) And it's true, you know, so I think we're constantly figuring out who we are and we can't figure that out unless we have, you know, we answer our, our own questions. And I think that it's important to live our questions, especially now that I don't have a boss and I don't have you know, really coworkers. I have clients, but it's a little different. I'm currently living my questions, if that makes sense. It's like, I have a question about something. I am living it out. I am living every day trying to solve whatever question I have. And that means kind of making myself sound stupid. I'm going to a CPA next week or to help me with my taxes. And I'm genuinely just like, I've been putting it off just because I'm nervous that they're going to sit sit down in front of me and be like, so, and say all these like really technical things that I know nothing about and be like, oh, well, you should have been doing this like years ago. And I'm like going to be like, well, that, that would have been nice to know. And I didn't know it, but you know, life is just a series of not really knowing what you're doing and just figuring it out and, you know, having the courage to ask the questions and to do the things that you're not supposed to do, that you're not, that people don't envision you as, as being you know, and, and trying to take on the things that that aren't in your job description, that aren't in your human description. All right, guys, so this kind of brings me to my next little subject of today's episode, which is about 
Hedy Lamar. I really want to get back into having a historical figure in every single episode, someone that I really look up to from the past and someone that did something revolutionary. So today's episode is about Hedy Lamar. And as I said in the intro, I watched this really powerful documentary on Netflix called Bombshell, the story of Hedy Lamar. I'm pretty sure it's the full title, but it's called Bombshell, which is funny because I just saw the actual, or not the actual, because this one came out before, but the current Bombshell in theaters. And that was also extremely great. Very feminist feministic is that a word um in all always shapes and forms both titles are really like that but this one was so moving and I really I'd never really heard of Hedy Lamar. I'd seen that really iconic image of her with like the stars um if you look up Hedy Lamar star outfit or something like that you'll see a photo it's like she has this headband with stars on it and like this like cape with stars it's like she's covered in stars and it's from a movie a movie she was in at some point. She's one of those very unforgettable faces. She was considered the most beautiful woman in Hollywood um, while she was active in the acting space, which was from the 30s was when she started into the 60s. She was active as an actress for a long time. And people, you know, she had highs and lows in her career, but people always saw her as this beautiful person um, until, you know, she's kind of known towards the end of her life as getting a lot of um, plastic surgery and really not looking like she used to. And people honestly got like, it's so appalling in this documentary they said people got mad at her for aging and for not looking like she used to look and it's just appalling to me but so she was born in Austria and she initially was you know an actress in Europe and soon after you know she started acting she met her husband her first husband she had like five or six husbands maybe more I think five or six it was like the total number towards the end but she had this first husband who was really famous in politics and really uh, the marriage was very loveless she was kind of there as just a trophy wife to look nice while sitting next to him type of thing and you know she loved acting she wanted to get to the United States because she thought that there'd be more opportunities there which ultimately there were at the time in Hollywood and so she one night um, in her like palace where she lived or this really nice house um, the maids were set to to keep an eye on her because her husband thought that she would leave at any given moment and she did so basically what she did was one night she Uh, not poisoned, I don't want to say poisoned, she gave the maid a sleeping potion in her tea. And so she, what she did was she had already been prepared for a few days. She had all of her jewels sewn into a jacket and she basically put on the jacket over top of the maid's uniform. She swapped outfits with the maid and fled into the middle of the night and got on the Normandy, which was a ship where she knew that this high up uh, acting uh, producer I guess, or someone that was just very big in the film space uh, was on the boat. And so she found him. She was so smart. All the while, not even knowing very much English at the time. She had a very thick accent, didn't know very much English, like very limited English. And she found this guy um, and basically secured a contract by the end of the voyage. She had secured a contract where she was making $600 a week, um, which is now $3,000-ish a week, a given, and getting all of these really awesome roles uh, just from this one conversation with this guy that was just really captivated by her spirit and that's just crazy to even consider like I just can't even imagine doing something like that so that's just crazy that, that that's how our story is beginning that she did something like that and you know very soon after that people started to want to look like her they started parting their hair in the middle she's a very significant like very very strong middle part and although she didn't know much English she learned very fast because she knew it was what she needed to do to survive but she still had this accent that people loved and wanted 
you know, in their films. So she was doing very well. She met a slew of husbands during that time. But in the back of, you know, her mind, in the back of her being, she really loved inventing, which is just so crazy that, you know, you could have something, you could have like this this outward image that you give to the world. You know, she was an actress, she was beautiful. But you can also have all of these secret little things about yourself that you just secretly love, but you know people wouldn't receive well. And, you know, she so desperately wanted to invent things. She, she loved science. She loved knowing or learning how things worked. And early on, she met one of her first husbands who was really big in designing airplanes. And she was the one that inspired him to reconstruct how he was making his planes to look more like fish and like birds. She got these books on fish and birds and she kind of just planted the seed in his mind that they should, you know, restructure planes to kind of look like fish and birds. And so she had this really great, just, she had the science to her. She dropped out of school at 15. So, you know, she didn't have a lot of technical answers to things. She didn't know how to make her ideas work per se, but she was very devoted to figuring it out. She had the the creative capacity and the capacity or just the skill of knowing what was wrong with things in the world and how to fix them in a creative way and although she didn't know the technical things of of, you know how to make that happen she had the ideas and she asked a lot of questions I feel like with every husband she had she had like I like I said six or seven five to six or seven husbands I can't even keep track of all of them but with each husband she learned something new she dated and, and married a lot of inventors a lot of people that were were very much specialists in their field and she infused her creative ideas with their technical ideas and really made things happen which I think is so inspiring because she didn't have all the answers she didn't know a lot of the technical ways to make things happen but she had the creativity and that was just so important at the time she actually had this one husband that was a composer so he was very he was a pianist he, he really understood music and how to make pianos work and things like that and how to make things work musically and so she teamed up with him in the 40s to put together something that would ultimately change the way that we communicate and it started out um, on a military basis so she it was during world war ii she was seeing that all of these submarines were being you know bombed because they couldn't track the frequencies of the missiles it was missiles not bombing sorry missiles so basically she came up with this idea called frequency hopping that's what she called it where basically so i'm going to read this thing because i'm really not technical but i'm going to read this because it says it perfectly hetty and composer george anhill which was her husband patented what they called the secret communication system the original idea meant to solve the problem of enemies blocking signals from radio controlled missiles during world war ii involved changing radio frequencies, frequency hopping, simultaneously to prevent enemies from being able to detect the messages. Today, it means that signals can't be tangled and intercepted. So it's used militarily today still, but it also is the basis for Wi-Fi, for Bluetooth, for cellular frequencies, why I can have a phone call and no one else can tap into it, or, you know, not normal people. Normal people can't, you know, tap into my phone calls, um, or, you know, a number of things. It's like, you know, we could all be Bluetoothing, and we can all be tracking, you know, trying to find a restaurant at the same time, and it doesn't all get tangled and intercepted, and we have privacy. So she came up with that. Her husband helped with the more technical stuff, but she came up with the 
idea. And so she submitted a patent in 1942 to the Navy, and they laughed at her. They said, this is ridiculous. You are an Austrian-born, not even a U.S.-born movie actress that's beautiful, but you can't have brains. And they kind of just shut her down and said, that's funny, you know, we'll hang on to it, sweetie, but, like, you should probably go where you're more useful, a.k.a. selling war bonds. So she was told like you're cute whatever but like no so that the patent was denied and she was heartbroken about it because you know being a beautiful face and having this mind that people didn't understand because she wasn't you know she she was a, a high school dropout i guess or a middle school what's 15 like she she didn't have much education and so people didn't take her seriously and so basically she was told to sell these war bonds where she would sell you know a hug to a you know to a guy or a kiss and get money for the war and she raised about 300 million dollars in today's terms for the war which was great and all but she you could see there's photos of her during that time where she just looked very empty and very sad because what she had really wanted to do invent you know was kind of just denied by the world she was called a traitor people thought she was a spy and so it was just really sad to hear that and to to see this documentary of this because she was remembered and she still is remembered so much you know just for her her beauty. I never even knew. I'd seen her in numerous, you know, ways just in movies and her face. I know her face, but I didn't know that she had this brain for inventing. And so years and years later, her initial idea, um, you know, had actually become something, but she missed out on, you know, the patent being hers because she so the patent patents basically expire so you submit it it's only active for for a set number of years and then after it's inactive you've six years to sue basically to say no that was my idea and she didn't know this because no one told her people could have told her the military you know they knew that this was her idea and they just ran with it but gave her no credit so she died in 2000 with zero well she had she won some awards later on when people realized like oh that's very shitty but she gained no money she died almost she she died very poor a very very poor woman and towards the end of her life she really spiraled out because she just was so you know especially when her look started to go where she started you know losing that initial beauty that she was so known for people started to just dismiss her she wasn't as known anymore for the right things she became a punchline people just didn't take her seriously she even went through this really rough time where she was using drugs and she shoplifted and she was just a punchline and she wasn't known for this just amazing talent she had for inventing she even invented a few different ways to make tissue boxes and some other things that she just thought you know should be different and we would not you know who's to say we wouldn't have you know as evolved of technology today of communication without her initial idea in 1942 so she also was super eloquent despite english not even being her first language in interviews she said the most amazing quotes and i'm gonna read some for you guys any girl can be glamorous all you have to do is stand still and look stupid and that really reminds me of the quote from great gatsby where you know the best thing a girl could be in this world is a beautiful fool and it's just so, I just wish she was alive during this time because we have so much more of a voice now. Granted, you know, we still there's still problems. There's still ways where we're not taken seriously as women. But I just think it's so inspiring, just her whole story of really just grabbing life by the balls 
I don't even want to say the balls because that's so masculine. Grabbing life by the uterus, you know, really just going after what she wants. And although she did reach a point where she was very discouraged and she wasn't accepted for what she was as an inventor, I still think she really made a lot of things out of nothing. She had very little, you know, she came to the US an immigrant. She came as someone that, you know, didn't know English really. She she really she made herself. She was a self-made woman. She was someone that she had this idea of what she wanted and she she really ran after it. Although the world didn't completely accept it, a lot of what we have today is because of her. And I did not know until literally yesterday. So I'm happy that I got to share her story with you guys in this episode because I think it's something that all of us should know and all of us should see that she is proof of the pudding that you can have an idea for something you can have all of these things in your in your mind that are brewing creative ways creative things and even if you don't fully know how to articulate them or put them into motion if you ask the right questions if you meet the right people and put yourself in the position where you can get those learnings and you know make your own path of figuring things out you can really make something that will fully just benefit and change the world and so i'm super just in awe of her. I actually just ordered a picture of her to put in my apartment because I want to be constantly reminded of her and just the person that she was. I think a lot of the world knows her as this just vivacious, beautiful person that was in movies with famous people that we know. But she's so much more than that. She is a spirit that I think that all of us should emulate in our daily lives. And I really hope that you guys will do some more research into her because this is just like a spark note version of her story. The full documentary is like an hour and a half long and it really dives into her story much deeper. So definitely watch the documentary. It's on Netflix in the US. I'm not sure if it's, I'm pretty sure it's maybe only in certain countries but it's so 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 powerful and I really wish that you know she was alive today so I could just talk to her because she's just so darn inspiring and there's this one quote that she said also she said I just want to be a simple complicated person and that I feel like just in a nutshell is just what I want to be I want to be someone that is complex and has layers, but I also want to be someone that just says with conviction what I mean simply. And like I said in the beginning of the episode, it's, you know, we have all these images of what we want to be like, and some of them are a bit more realistic than others. This one I think is more realistic because I think that we all have the, the power to be a simple, complex, or simple, complicated person where we we know what we want and we go after it but we still have layers we still have room to question room to investigate room to be curious and so i think that hedy lamar is a great image of this a great representation of this idea and just kind of to wrap things up guys it's okay to not have the answers it's okay to not know how you're going to get somewhere how you're going to make something Having the creative ideas or having even just the courage to try something, even if it's something that the world tells you not to do, even if it's something that the world doesn't expect of you, do it anyway. She says in one of her like monologues, um, she said something like, do it anyway. And she said it over and over again. It's like the world will spit in your face, but do it anyway. And she also says something like, people are good. What did she say? I have all these notes. I took notes during the documentary not shocking about me. I also cried while I was taking them, so there's like casual tear stains on my notes. Um, (laughs) She said, do good anyway. 
do it anyway, do good anyway. She had a very clear idea of wanting to do good things for the world, especially during a time of war when her own country and her own where she'd grown up was just being ravaged. She still wanted to do good. And so I think that's something that we can all kind of take to heart and all kind of strive to be like. And so, like I said, look more into her story, watch the full documentary and learn more details about her, like the things her, her children say about her, I just want to repaint her as someone that wasn't just a pretty face that eventually, you know, just just really, she went through a spiral towards the end and I don't want people to know her like that. I want people to know her for the inventions and for what she truly loved. So guys, that is it for today's episode. I hope you all enjoyed the story of Hedy Lamarr and also just my early little stories from my time at L'Oreal and in the corporate world and what it truly means to not know and how much power you have in not knowing and not having all the answers because that is truly where creativity is born and where ideas are born and I want to just quickly reread the last part of Piera's caption um, just to kind of wrap things up saying I don't know is an act of self-acceptance and the unknown is a beautiful state of being because it's the foundation for growth it's okay to say that you're learning it's okay to say that you don't know things That just makes you a stronger person overall because you have so much room to grow and so much room to create. So that is my story. That is the story of Hedy Lamarr and everyone else I discussed during this episode. I hope you all enjoyed and I can't wait for you guys to hear next week's episode, which will come out on Thursday. From now on, Thursdays are our day. Just, you know, put it on your calendar. Katie is posting an episode on Thursday. Hashtag thick and thin Thursdays bitches. So yeah, that's it for this episode. Thanks guys. I'll talk to you later. Bye.